Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about a free three-act worksheet to help you structure your story. Whether you're a plotter or a pantser, a novelist or short fiction writer, this three-act worksheet will help you navigate your material and even begin each new story with a better plan. Download yours at nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. Stop getting stuck in the middle of your draft. Go grab this free worksheet, nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. How do we create atmosphere in story in a way that evokes mood and simultaneously reveals the inner life of your character? Well, you already know how to do this. I'm your host, Nancy Panuccio, and on today's episode of Writer Unleashed, we'll talk about what you instinctively know about creating mood and atmosphere and how to use your instincts to create it on the page. And we're going to do a writing exercise at the end of the episode, so have your pen and paper handy. Let's dig in. Writer Unleashed is for you. A writer who has a story you want to bring onto the page and into the hearts and minds of readers. I'm Nancy Panuccio, writer, editor, and writing coach. And each week, we'll explore techniques, mindsets, and inspiration for writing stories readers can't put down. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. Back in March, just as the pandemic hit, my 14-year-old and I moved into a spacious three-bedroom house. Now, up until then, we'd only lived in apartments, so this is the biggest space we've ever lived in. Now, our house was built in the 1920s, so it has four different dining areas. We have a large dining room, we have a den, we have a large closed Um, enclosed front porch that can be heated in winter. We have a backyard deck and we have a huge kitchen for the first time, the the biggest kitchen we've ever had. So we've been busy filling all these rooms and spaces. And we've spent the last eight months going to antique shops and thrift stores, ordering things on Amazon and eBay to fill our rooms with unusual and eclectic love seats and coffee tables, candle holders, lamps, chairs, rugs, wall hangings, you name it, all to fit this retro feel of the house, but also to create a mood, a feeling, an effect, an expression of self. In our living room, for example, we have a big 90s-style jukebox as our CD player. My bedside bedside lamp throws flower-shaped lights across the room. I love it. It just calms me down every night. Now, my kid loves to hang strings of lights around our windows, so our den has icicle lights draped around it, and his room has lights that change color. So our house is still a work in progress, but we're enjoying the process of reinventing and continuing to create our own atmosphere. So we are masters 
at creating atmosphere. We do it all the time and we do it for a number of reasons. Number one, expression of self. We've all decorated a room, an apartment, a house. We paint our walls certain colors, eggshell white. Maybe we paint a wall red or seafoam green. We select all the details. We choose furniture for their color, their texture. We hang paintings or photographs on our walls. We throw down an area rug. We fill our patios with particular plants and flowers. And we do this all to create a certain atmosphere. Clothes, hairstyles, the towns we choose to live in, all are carefully chosen to create a persona, the way we want to be seen. It's a creative act. A bachelor may create a very different atmosphere than a family man. So after my parents divorced, my father moved to a high-rise luxury condo and he hired an interior decorator to create his newly minted persona. Now, this was way back in the early 80s. It may even been as way back as the late 70s. And he had floor-to-ceiling mirrored walls in every room and every hallway. And the only place he didn't have mirrored walls was the kitchen. He custom-built a living room bar stocked with brandy and Kahlua. He had custom wall-to-wall carpeting, a platform Cali King-sized bed, very consciously designed to define himself or to be perceived a certain way, to create an effect, to create a persona. Number two, atmosphere is one of the ways we interpret people, but by what they surround themselves with and the settings that they either consciously create or in many cases, unconsciously manifest. Walk into anyone's home or office and you'll get an instant hit on their inner world. It could be serene or classy, cultured, chaotic, dirty, fun, lively, disorganized, orderly, eccentric. Now, all these mind states manifest in atmosphere. We might fill our shelves with little kachka knickknacks, or maybe we have sculptures. Our shelves hold the books that provide insight into what we think about, the things we're curious or obsessed about. Self-help books, for example, reveal where we feel most deficient or what keeps us up at night. The books on our shelves are a window into our mind. The atmosphere we create, the things we surround ourselves with, reflects something deep inside us. As Charles Baxter once said, when we look at things, things look back. Number three, we manipulate atmosphere to make us feel the way we want to feel. So maybe we want to feel calmer or more festive or clear-headed or sexy. We know when to dim the lights, to light candles, to play Chopin versus Freddie Mercury or the Dust Bowl Fairies. We know when to declutter the kitchen counters. Now, when I was living in Midtown Manhattan on 2nd Avenue, I lived on the second floor and there were seven lanes of traffic outside my windows every day. And if you've ever spent time in New York City, you can imagine what that sounded like. 
cars honking and ambulances and fire engines tearing through Midtown all day and into the night. Now, I loved the energy of this city. I loved living there, but I also like to feel calm and I was working from home as a freelance writer at the time. So I needed focus. I needed peace. So I'd play classical music all day while I worked and I had a sound machine that gave me my choice of rain or ocean waves or birds chirping. And at night I lit candles. I had a red light in the center of my space and this made me feel the way I wanted to feel calm and peaceful. So we manipulate our atmosphere to help us feel the way we want to feel. But as much as atmosphere reveals us, number four, atmosphere also creates us. So the food that permeates our rooms from our kitchens or the Indian restaurant on the ground floor of our apartment building, the air we breathe, the chatter of people who walk the streets below our windows. So there's a feedback loop. We respond differently to different stimuli. Cities might stimulate or overwhelm us. Beaches and mountains might invigorate us. Lakes soothe and relax. Clutter can raise our cortisol levels and make us feel scattered and stressed. Now, when I was in my early 20s, I had an interesting experience. My boyfriend at the time and I were house-sitting for a retired couple, the Jacobsons, who were friends of his mother's, and they were away golfing in Scotland for the week, and they hired us to feed their cats and stay in their house for, for that week. And They had a big ranch house overlooking this beautiful marsh with cattails blowing in the wind. And in the distance, the train passed several times a day. And it was just far away enough that the sound of the train whistle was soothing and distant. And they had plush white carpeting in the sunken living room. They had floor-to-ceiling windows overlooking miles of lush marsh. And it brought in this flood of natural light. And the windows were so high that we had to use a pole to draw the curtains closed at night. And the experience was like living in this big lofty treehouse, a very luxurious treehouse. And even though the house itself was not high off the ground, but that was the feeling it gave me. That was the sensation. And this was far different from the duplex Victorian apartment he and I lived in, in Beechhurst, Queens. And I didn't want to go home. So, and the reason I didn't want to go home was at the Jacobsons, I felt expansive. I felt safe, mature, wealthy, financially secure, calm, and highly educated. And these were all things I wasn't in my early 20s. And at the end of our house sitting week, when we were back home in our duplex apartment, as I lay down on our bed, the ceiling felt lower than I had remembered a week ago. Our house suddenly felt small and dark. There didn't seem to be enough air. I found myself feeling frustrated and trapped. I didn't want to be there. And although it was a charming apartment in a Victorian house with arched doorways and many rooms, the disparity between the two atmospheres 
was not lost on me. I mean, I felt it in my body. At home now, all of a sudden, I felt stifled, cramped, limited, and I really yearned to be back in the Jacobson's house in that other atmosphere because it made me feel a certain way. It had me step into a different version of myself. So we create mood and atmosphere, but it also in many ways creates us. It modulates our internal thermostat. Our physical landscape reflects our emotional landscape. And this is one of the thrilling things about atmosphere and story. It conveys emotion. It invites the reader to feel a certain way. It also reveals the inner life of the character. As Tony Cade Barbera says, words set up atmospheres, electrical fields, charges. I've felt them doing it. Words conjure. So we use atmosphere to, number one, express self. Number two, interpret other people. Number three, make us feel the way we want to feel. And number four, create different versions of self. Now you already know how to do this. You know how to select, refine, and tweak all those sensory details to create a certain atmosphere, to create a mood, to express character. The details you select to create atmosphere in your story will deliver your reader not just to a physical place, a physical setting, but to an emotional place simultaneously. So just as atmosphere is inseparable from you, it's inseparable from the characters you create on the page. Each is an extension of the other. So here's a writing exercise for you. Describe a room in your childhood that evokes strong emotions. Maybe it's your least favorite room from your home or a grandparent's home. Maybe it was the attic or the basement. Or maybe it was a room that fascinated you, that you love to spend time in. Write a good paragraph's worth. Now, don't describe how you felt. Don't describe how that room creeped you out or how that room fascinated you. Just evoke the mood through the details. Atmosphere is sensory. Go for sights, sounds, textures, light, temperature, odors, sensations. So as you continue to write this description, you want to get real specific about the details. Now select only the details that are significant to the mood you want to evoke or the feeling you want to evoke. So if it's a room that scared you or was your least favorite room, slant the details to evoke that feeling. So let's say it was the basement. Maybe it's cold and damp, it smells musty like wet cement, and there are damp spots or puddles from a recent rain. Maybe there are sudden noises. So once you have some details, start slanting them to reveal that feeling. So if you felt creeped out, slant the details for that. Or maybe you were fascinated by the basement. Maybe it was this great adventure. Maybe there was a wine cellar, or maybe it was really spacious and there was something mysterious about it. So slant the details to reflect that. So work on this exercise and have fun with it. 
Thank you so much for listening. I hope this episode of Writer Unleashed helps you write vivid, evocative atmosphere. Remember, you already know how to do this. Now, don't go anywhere after the show without subscribing. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review to help make Writer Unleashed more visible to other writers. As always, you can find important links and details in this episode's show notes available on nancypinuccio.com slash podcast episode 28. Keep writing and I'll talk to you soon.